So this evening I'd like to offer some reflections on the theme of renunciation, following along a bit with our Eightfold Path um, kind of exploration. And uh, as always, invite you to listen in that grounded, spacious way whereby you feel free to allow it to rise and pass. And uh, trusting that whatever is helpful will be received. I hope there is something helpful. Um, yeah, sometimes I, <clears throat> I've said this before, sometimes I experience uh, trying to prepare a talk like chasing peas around a plate. And uh, it felt like that on this occasion, fortunately, not entirely enjoyable. But anyway, we'll see, I've got some peas for you. So may may the peas be of benefit to all beings. <laughs> Please. Thank you, peas. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, yeah, interesting process. I was reflecting on, you know, sometimes I think it mirrors a bit. Sometimes, you know, when you go in for an interview if, and you're like, sort of sometimes with some of you, it's like, you know, depending on which... It's like, I've got to, you know, say something good about my practice and look good and, you know, make sure the teacher thinks I'm okay. And it's like, here I am, it's like, I've got to come in and say something good to the yogis so they think I'm okay. It's like, you know, come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> there it is, though, so, yeah. Yeah, acknowledging that. Helpful. So, um, let's see, the first P. Uh, I'd like to share with you a quote from Joseph Goldstein, who some of you may know, and and just taking a moment to appreciate him. And he's on retreat at the moment, so he's having a very beneficial retreat. Um, so, just from him. The Buddha taught that for most people... It is easy to do what is unskillful and difficult to do what is skillful or good. Walking the path to spiritual awakening is like swimming upstream against the current of all our worldly conditioning. Habit is an extraordinarily powerful force in our minds. Conditioned by ignorance, we have been strengthening the habits of greed and aversion and delusion for countless lifetimes. It takes a powerful commitment to spiritual practice to begin to change them. So, uh, yeah, I think I wanted to share that um, because, um, isn't it really difficult sometimes, this practice, (laughs) you know? Sometimes it's so lovely and, you know, we come on retreat and I get this lovely experience, especially when people arrive, it's like, oh, so wonderful here and I'm so happy to be here, so grateful and, ah, you know, (laughs) it's so lovely, I love it, don't stop doing that, because I'm very grateful to be here as well, pretty much every day. You know, but as you well know, then there's other times. 
been here a while, you're going, oh my God, I can't stand this place. It's so, ugh, you know, <laughs> like, I can't bear it another moment. Because uh, ah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's this practice we're swimming against the stream. And so I sort of feel like sometimes it's a bow to the hindrances or the calaces or the, what do you want to call them, these things that, uh, experiences of feeling impeded and thrown off and distracted and confused and all the rest of it, you know, that, um, because we're, when we, you know, it's like I have a sense like with renunciation, we, we come into this simplified space and let go and simplify a lot and then after the honeymoon period, (laughs) oh dear, yes. We meet our minds, yeah. and uh, you know all that that is like, beautiful and horrible and all the rest of it. And uh, so, just a, again, a real bow of respect to all of you um, for your practice and your willingness to to bear with this process and uh, its ups and downs and. Yeah. So um, this eightfold path that we're reflecting on, as you know, called referred to as the middle way. So I find this. I come back to this again and again. A beautiful image of somehow. Hmm. So uh, the this. Hmm, tendency in a human being to swing between extremes, right? And there's, I think, yeah, this between self-mortification and self-indulgence. There's different, maybe, ways we experience that of, you know, just, oh dear, and the different ways we can be down on ourselves, or, you know, pushing and striving and, and uh, kind of yeah, depriving and I don't know, that whole sort of mm, side of things. And then swinging the other way and saying, oh, forget it, you know. <laughs> just float downstream, you know, I can't do this, it's just impossible. So where is the middle way? I find this uh, sometimes a, a helpful reflection in practice, you know, the effort. And just to see or sense the possibility like a pendulum swinging, you know, pendulum just, ah, you know, just allowing it to come to stillness, to rest. It's like, you know, like a swing when you push it. He goes, when you don't push it, it just kind of comes to rest. I had this experience recently I wanted to share with you of, um, sense of this, I think of it, I think of renunciation as one of the, it's like one of the ways into refuge. And, um, let's see, I hope this is, I hope this makes sense and is relevant, relevant to you. But, so I was in the city and I, I find this a helpful reflection because I think sometimes we, I like to go to the city to have a break from all this 
blooming peacefulness, you know. It's like <laughs> that's not quite it, but it's it just feels important to go away and just just to, for various reasons. Um, and it's not all pleasant, you know. Like walking around the city, and some of it feels just like connecting with another energy. It feels very refreshing, and sometimes it's very uh, confusing. Confusing. And I was wandering around, and you know, people and things happening, and things pulling at you, and by this, by that, everything shining and blipping, and you know, and flashing, and. You know, it's like ten shops that say eat, drink, eat, drink, eat. It's like, oh. Um, and, you know, it seems like, I know it's it's not the same, but this, I could think of it, a city mind can happen on retreat, can't it? It's like it can get so busy, so kind of like things flashing and people and, you know, them and him and her and... I want one of those and, you know, all that. Sort of, I wonder how different it is, really. Um, you know, the perceptions are, anyways, more like a mental perception rather than a visual perception, but not so different. And um, so I, 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 you know, I, and some of you know, I occasionally inflict a bit of poetry on you, so I just wrote, I wrote this. I'd like to share it with you. I am a city today. I am taking my darling dog to a doggy daycare spa. I am begging for loose change. I am confused, amazed, ashamed. I am playing the violin and dancing. I am weeping in an alley. Refuge, please, where are you? Not anywhere but here, of course. But in which part of here are you hiding? A sweet refuge calls softly through the mayhem. And though the brain is blocked up, the heart can still hear. And hearing that call, the miracle of presence resumes. And this is for me uh, something I practice sometimes. I write myself into a bit more sanity, you know, as, as I practice. And I think this sense of mm, being able to more and more find refuge where we are, you know, with what's happening, this is the, the, the sort of refuge place, the sort of inner refuge place. Um, yeah, maybe not so dependent on things being any other than they are, actually, but just kind of remembering, like, just coming into contact with that. Mm. So, uh, so the, the as you as you know, the the Buddha was teaching everything that he taught was a, a compassionate offering to help us to to find this middle way, this way uh, of being, of living, 
where we're not causing suffering, we're not adding to suffering for us, in ourselves or for others. Um, so this um, second aspect of the path, samasankapa. So I, uh, I uh, got out my <coughs> dictionary, Buddhist dictionary. Not a Pali scholar, but sometimes I find when you look at the meanings and derivations of these words, it can be quite helpful to sort of help you connect with what's really meant here. Or the, there's a little range of meanings and nuances, and just listening for you know what uh, just resonates, what feels most helpful. And it seems like it's in a family of words and I, a concept that relate to our intention which is how Rebecca uh, translated this word, um, chaitana, volition, aditana, determination, resolve, decision. And sankapa, which is this word used in the second uh, aspect of the path. I looked it up and actually the, the word, uh, the derivation, the kappa in Sanskrit, kalpa, actually means eon a really long time. Isn't that interesting? And the other thing I found was that sankapa, this word, is often used in the in the discourses as a, a synonym for thought. So often you, you've probably seen that that step is translated as right thought or wise thought. So it's often used as a synonym for thought along with vitaka. And so what this has sort of led me to I've been sort of contemplating this as thoughts which are for our very, very long-term welfare. I think that's within the spirit of it, if that makes sense to you. So it's about directionality or like how, you, how, you in, how the mind is inclined, like a sort of direction it's, it's going in. So that's what we're in when we're we're into this um, this part or this aspect of practice. How do we, yeah, how do we practice inclining, encouraging thoughts that are for our welfare and happiness for a long time and, and for others? So interesting. Um, so the other two, just to, to mention the other two, Sankapa, the, the other two aspects. Um, a word, um, Abhyapada, translated as non-ill will, and then sometimes expressed as metta. Or, and the, the second one, Avihimsa, non-cruelty, or Karuna. So you have this, the, the ni, the a, which is like the not, it's you know, the, the sort of pointing to the what it's not. So interesting, you know, it's not often the case with the wholesome qualities. It's like the absence of something else. So I find that that's an interesting reflection that often the, the happier, the more wholesome states are actually quieter. It's almost like kind of what's there when all the, the drama of the unwholesome states is kind of like they're quieter, less fabricated, which I think is kind of, uh, yeah, 
find that a helpful reflection. And I was also looking at the word for renunciation, which is nikama uh, in Pali, or nikamati in Sanskrit. And I couldn't find anywhere, well, what's the positive, you know, if you're going to, like, if it's metta or karuna for the other two, how would you... So you, you know, how would you express renunciation in kind of positive terms? I mean, maybe, you know, I'm, again, my scholarship is somewhat limited, so I'm sure it probably is there somewhere. But um, so if I, 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 what I sort of was coming around to was um, perhaps contentment. Contentment. Yeah. So if we're looking for ways of connecting with uh, the meaning and the, something to inspire us to honor that, to practice that. It's like, so, so maybe sometimes it's helpful rather than thinking of renunciation, we can think of contentment, which is maybe having actually a very, very similar effect. Yeah, but it's focusing more on, ah, you know, can I be contented with what's here, what's, what's actually already given, right? Because you can hear it's like a counter to that re- that sort of reaching out for more and, and, and better and, you know, just that. So, so the nekama is the not, not following sensual desire. We're not being embedded in that. We're, yeah, not uh, being, um, centering our life around that. But then the positive maybe are oh, contentment with what we have or for what there is. And then the way is often the case that that's actually the the happiness of the contentment helps the mind to settle, helps the mind and the heart to let go, isn't it? Of of, of its wants and dreams and kind of hankerings and restlessness. So this is such a like renunciation can often have a lot of negative associations or, you know, somehow, it's, you know, it's all about sort of something really difficult and painful. and Which is interesting because I found another reflection actually from my teacher, Christina Feldman, which really helped me to understand perhaps why that is, is that for a lot of us, maybe all of us in different ways, we have experienced involuntary renunciation. You know, where deprivation has been imposed on us, you know, by conditions, by people, by circumstance. And so then there's this sense of that sort of loss and lack and not not having enough. And so I think that's one of the reasons why voluntary renunciation is so important and powerful and freeing. Because we, it's like by choosing, by choosing, by uh, being willing to, so from our own free will, if you like, to let go, to put aside, to give up, to give away, all of this, to simplify, to sort of, you know, breathe out and step back from all the um, trying to get and have and so on. We can taste what is so often referred to in the suttas, the joy of renunciation, the bliss of renunciation. You know, it's like it starts to maybe make more sense. Um, you know, so I think it's, uh, again, you know, 
as you go on in retreat, I think it becomes even more important to kind of bring in these positive kind of gratitude, contentment, appreciation. Ah, you know, because again, you know, the the mind from many of us, most of us, maybe have that tendency to get caught up on what isn't quite right here, out there with them, this place, the weather, you know, me, my parents, you know, just like that Velcro for the negative and Teflon for the positive sort of sense that, uh, yeah. And just that enjoyment of the simplifying and it's really... And can really take some repeated sort of just recollection. Um, yeah. Okay, so again, so reflection on the words, and I'm already getting into what the next bit I wanted to get into, which is when the Buddha talks about reflecting on the benefits of renunciation. So the the actually what feels pleasant brings us some kind of happiness, joy, relief, peace of sort of, you know, putting things aside. This, I love, I love this phrase at the beginning, near the beginning of the Satipatthana Sutta, you know, stepping aside from covetousness and grief for the world. You know, it's just, even just, just that sense of just for a while or a, what, what does that, stepping aside from the covetousness and the grief, so this, again, this sort of sense of the sense contact, just there's a possibility that it could be not so entangling, not so, you know, just pulling us in, and not so much something to be, you know, recoiling from. What's that? I think the saying of the Buddha, you know, the, the foolish seek contact, the wise seek to understand it. That's, yeah. Yeah, and that, um, so, so much part of this that I've been sort of exploring this week for myself is like how much wise reflection is, is a key part of how renunciation becomes, like, how it can happen. So this is again the, the right view, wise view, wise reflection, um, and how um, again and again we have to see how our reaching out for things, people, you know, meditative experiences, um, just seeing how how that sense of we think that. A bit more pleasure is gonna. What you know? So to me, as soon as you start thinking about it, it kind of exposes it as sort of you know. It's like really, you kind of some part of you knows that's not really. It doesn't quite work. I mean, how many zillions of pleasant experiences have you had already in your life? It's like, does it does it do the thing? You just sit on that. Surely if it was going to do it, it would have done it by now. <laughs> See, this is, this is wise reflection. This is, you know. And, uh, oh, mm. Yeah, I remember many years ago when I first went on retreat at Guy House in England and 
And really this lovely sense of, I was so, it was so simple, it was so kind of spare. I mean, probably, I know some of you have, I mean, I, now I'm a bit older, I appreciate all this comfort much more. I think when I was young, I was like, yeah, I'll sleep on the floor, no problems, it's great, yeah, up for this, it's great. Um, and I was sleeping in a room with ten other people, and to climb up this vertical sort of wooden ladder and like no problem whereas now I'd be like you, you know it's like my life will be in danger if I try and go up there um, and just but you, you you know you have that sense probably I can remember coming on retreat here and just going into the room you know such lovely rooms and just like this oh You know, and then of course it fills up with your mind. You know, so it's like, oh dear, you're like swimming like through all this stuff. You know, oh God, let me out of this room. It's like full of my stuff now. You know, it's like I've got to get outside. You know, get away from my stuff. So then there's again that challenge of then the 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 the, the other sort of layer of renunciation and letting go, isn't it? which is really sort of the mind and thoughts and feelings and beginning to be able to yeah bring that that quality of of uh wisdom and and letting go into the this relationship with with our own minds the phenomenal phenomenon of the mind um, shedding unburdening i think that's Yeah, as a way of understanding renunciation as a kind of an unburdening, kind of shedding of layers of preoccupation, of worry, of no. I remember my teacher Christina also talked about um, how we get into prowling. Do you ever prowl on retreat? Are you just kind of prowling around looking for something? Something, something to read or eat or drink or like someone to look at or, well, I don't know, a spider to save or it just doesn't matter anything. You know, just prowling around and going to the library. Surely one of these books now. Oh, leave the library. Go in the chanting room. Oh, yes. Anyway, you probably, yeah, it sounds like some of you know what this is anyway. It's just prowling. So that's, that's the way you can notice. Oh my goodness, you know, what am I, what do I, what do I think I'm going to find around one of these corners? You know, that's, you know, just, just, <laughs> I don't know, just what goes sit on the sofa and reboot Yeah, so wise reflection, wise reflection. And um, just a little bit on changing our perspective. Uh, so Bhikkhu Bodhi said, real renunciation is not a matter of compelling ourselves to give, give up things that we cherish. It's rather a matter of changing our perspective on the things we cherish so that they no longer bind us. Yeah, yeah. So my teacher, uh, Martine Batchelor, 
she would do this thing, so I'm going to do her thing. I don't think she'd mind. Like, she's like, like um, with people or, you know. I remember I think somebody was asking her, well, what about your relationship with your husband? You know, surely you don't just want to let go of him. And <laughs> since she picked up the, the bell ringer and she held it like this, and I said, well, you know, it's like this. If you if you hold it really tight, like, how does that feel? You can imagine how that feels, beginning already uncomfortable, tight. You know, I'm sort of holding on to this thing, you know. And so so already, like, not only, it's all, I can't do anything else with my hand. You know, I've got this one, but this one's, like, busy <laughs> holding on. And so she said... Something more like, something more like this. So you're still in touch, you're still the life, the relationship, the friend, the beautiful uh, lettuce leaf or whatever it is. It's just, you know, I'm just, I'm not gripping onto it. You can still enjoy it and then put it down. I like the wonderful quote from Ajahn Chah about um, being asked about this beautiful teacup that he cherished, you know. And, and he explained that to him the teacup was already broken. So can we, this is to me the spirit of renunciation. We're not rejecting anything, we're not. You know, it's like the Buddha saying, it's, it's, it's not the it's not the scent, the beautiful, the beautiful sense pleasures. It's our, it's our passion or our, you know, this restless desire and craving for them. That's the problem. Mm. So I wanted to say a little bit about craving, um, which Rebecca touched on. I mean, in a way, that's what. That's what I've been talking about all the time, really, isn't it? It's craving. And how being able to recognize that as that. If I get this, I will be happy. It's like exposing that, exposing that. Yeah. And this sense of of, of lack or insufficiency, which I think is... I th- in sense it's like one of the things that drives craving both the form of reaching out for things and sense experience and also the you know wanting to be to become to be different to it's 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 like it's there's actually this underlying sense of of lack or insufficiency uh, that means i have to get i have to become or i have to get away from get rid of in order to be okay. Mm. So, having the opportunity on retreat to, uh, you know, see this and be able to play a bit with like, I was doing it a bit in the snow yesterday, it's like playing with shifting from just seeing shape, color, form, shadows, on, and then, oh, snow, want, you know, play more. <laughs> this is kind of, 
uh, stay in forever, um, all this kind of, and then going back to the just color, shape, you know, light, shade, just wet. And it was really interesting. I don't know if you've ever done that, but with, I, I first discovered that once. I was quite appalled actually, because I was looking at the sea which is like, I love, you know, I love the sea. I want to be by the sea. <laughs> like, I, when I'm by the sea, I never want to leave. You know, there's a lot of clinging and craving around that. And I was sitting by the sea one time in England, in England and I was looking at the sea and I suddenly realised it was completely fabricated. And I could, I could have this sense, wow, there's this whole thing that's been constructed about, you know, I and the sea and I love. And and then I thought of um, someone I'm close to who says that when they look at the sea, they see a parking lot. <laughs> like neutral, vaidener, um, verging on unpleasant, you know, definitely not on the pleasant side. And I remember thinking, wow, if if I have to... And I could see the sea become this almost like the meaning drain out of it and just become this sort of, you know, like, again, like a sort of that much grey and then a bit of, like, slightly less grey above and then, you know, it's like... And so I feel like part of what's important, the freedom there, is that you you can get the meaning when it's helpful or, you know, you can maybe generate some appreciation and joy, but then it's, you realize this is, this is just a construction. So I don't have to be locked into craving and clinging to the sea, you know. So, anyway, I hope that makes some sense. And I think, you know, anything in your life where that's that, you can sort of, I don't know, try that for yourself. Um, help perhaps to expose the tanha, the craving, and and also this sense of um, what I, I feel I, I have to have in order to be okay. So I wanted to share with you a bit from Ajahn Suchito, because I can't get through any talk without sharing something from him. <laughs> we'll see, maybe next time I'll try. <laughs> um, renunciation goes against the current of gain and the assumption that happiness comes through having or storing up a something, even a spiritual something. And then, renunciation means giving up the sense of I need, I want, I am incomplete without. So, did you see what we're not just giving up, you know, or whatever it is. What we're really giving up is this involvement in this sort of vortex, what he calls a vortex of actually sort of pressure or energy or like a kind of vacuum or different ways that this sense of lack or insufficiency, it's like it's not a nothing. It's like a, there's probably a lot in there somehow of all kinds of different things but that we're giving up or we're letting go of being so attached to I need, I must have. (sighs) What if right now you could just be okay 
and let the practice come from that. You know, and let let our life be lived from that. You know, just hmm, this sort of movement of oh, sort of yeah, simplicity and ah, oh, hmm. Maybe just one last piece. Um, when I was reflecting this week, um, this part particularly somehow stood out for me in this uh, understanding renunciation and the practice is like that's another image of um, holding, holding on to a rope that's being pulled. Maybe you've heard this, and by holding on to it, you 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 get your hands burned, right? Rope burn. And so there is something about the uh, understanding, the seeing, the perception of anicca of changing in us, of insubstantiality, of, of, of everything, of, of our thoughts, our, you know, impulses, desires, meditative experiences, or, you know, a person, just where, wherever you need, you know, in a way, wherever you need to bring that perception, or just to, hmm, maybe lighten up, lighten up our sense of wherever we are, whatever we're with, you know. It's like every day I, I do, I remember that I will not be at the forest refuge forever. Who knows how long? Maybe I won't be here next week. Hopefully I will. But I don't know. You know, and, and you don't know, we, none of us knows when we're going to die. How precarious, how fragile, how sort of insubstantial, you know, this this life is. And actually opening to that, it just the the grasping and the craving and the wanting, it sort of becomes less and less this doesn't make any sense. And it seems to be more like enjoy what there is to enjoy, but don't, it's like, yeah, just don't be entangled, don't, don't hold on. Or, I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but I find these, these five daily recollections that you probably know that I, I won't say too much now, it is a practice, and maybe I'll mention it some other time, but, you know, this f- frequent recollection the Buddha recommended of, you know, this body is aging, it's crumbling, it's relatively healthy, or relatively sick, or it's, it's prone to sickness, it's prone to aging. At some point it will die. And that everything, everything we cherish will be separated from that. It's like, can we, this is, this is, uh, Now, what are we left with if we really, really open to that? 
left is that it was left. And to me that brings me into a place of, okay, here, presence, simplicity, you know, talking, just being here, seeing, just this, and... Um, Yeah, kind of encouragement to live with that in mind. You know, as a support to our practice, as a, as an as an inspiration and encouragement. Uh, to to let go. Hmm. So wondering how to end. I will close with a um, with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. Go back to the present moment. Become more fully alive. Don't run anymore. Go back to the here and the now and get in touch with the wonders of life that are available for nourishment and healing. This is the basic practice of peace. We have been running after the objects of our desire, but we know that our running has brought us a lot of suffering. We have not had the chance to live, to love, to take care of our loved ones, because we cannot stop running. The Buddha advises us to stop. So, thank you for your attention. Let's just just pause for a, a minute, and then yeah, guys, and then we'll do our chanting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.